Field and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, welcome in Reno, Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. Adam Hill is here as the company. Ari's running things in our Finley Toyota Studios. Our legal insider, Justin Watkins, is here with us. What's going on? Back in town, back from Mexico, Merida, Mexico. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Nice, nice. Wait, where was it? Merida. Where's that? It's about three hours uh, uh, west of Cancun on the Yucatan Peninsula, over by Chichen Itza and Uxmal and a bunch of pyramids. Adam, way, familiar? It's way too far inland, though. You fly right to it. Yeah. You fly into Merida. Uh, so what's there? The beach. There is a beach. Okay. It's only like 20 minutes yeah. north, but we didn't go to the beach. What'd you do? You swim in cenotes, which is like these pools of water that were created as a result of the meteorite that killed the dinosaurs, if yeah. you can believe that. Not really. Is that too scenic for you? Yeah, they're like uh, they're like hot springs, basically. I just want a regular beach. Adam Hill. <laughs> yes. I don't like fancy water features. <laughs> no, this is no natural water. I'm out. Like I've been to a couple. I'm out. Beaches are they're, they're fine. They're I, awesome. I get the appeal, but I much more stick with the beach. Yeah, but you got to see it once. You got to. Oh, you I have. Gotta, you you got to swim yeah. in a cenote. It's it's super. Rare. Oh yeah. Okay. You have yeah. to. I love it. You got to. You have you gotta to swim. In a, okay, I'll try to find some time. What is it called? To swim in a cenote. cenote. Yeah. Yeah. You could do where, it. Where else am I going to find this? Yeah, it's around Cancun and Tulum yeah, yeah. and all that. Is there any in like New Jersey? No, or you, like that? Minnesota, somewhere I can. You, you jump on a shuttle from the resort. You jump on a shuttle from the resort. They take you down. They have a little lunch. It's nice. You do. You yeah, go to a hacienda. Old hacienda. They got some lunch. This is all way beyond my means. All right, let's get to it. Big four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. The problem is, what, what was it again? A cenote? cenote. cenote. I, I'm not going to take off my shirt after Halloween and swim in a cenote after Thanksgiving. Good, I'm like, I'm not going to be in the kind of shape. And I'll tell you the other one is if I eat this grilled cheese sandwich that I sent you guys, it's a candy corn grilled cheese sandwich. I mean, I'm all for repurposing things. And we got a lot of candy left over. We got to get the Halloween as a topic in about 20 minutes. I was very disappointed in one element of Halloween. But a candy corn Grilled cheese. First of all, around the room, because I always forget what candies people like, even though we've been doing shows together forever. Candy corn, Adam? No, I think it's 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 kind of trash. It's kind of trash. Yeah. Okay, it's absolute trash. I hate yeah. it. Oh, I'll take a handful here and there if it's around. Okay. But I would... On be, a grilled cheese? No, be, no, that would looks you disgusting. Do the grilled cheese? It looks so disgusting. No, I'm, could... a, I'm 100% in. <laughs> Why? <laughs> grilled cheese is tremendous. Even though candy corn is not great, it's still candy. It gives you some texture. Dessert grilled cheese. That sounds great. Have you had a dessert grilled cheese? I was actually no. thinking, like, what could you, no. like, would you put a candy bar? Well, what else, what, what kind of, what would you take from Halloween and that would work in a grilled cheese? Yeah, probably candy corn is probably your best option. I would think so. Yeah. Okay. Or- All right. If Adam took a bite and said it wasn't bad or better, then I would take a bite. <laughs> you were just a leader taking us to Mexico a couple minutes ago. Now you're a follower. What's going on here? Although I, I will say. Weird. I, I, in my mind, like grilled cheese is it's a tremendous. I love a grilled cheese. It's a tremendous food item. However, a few years ago, it's probably like 10 years ago now, we saw a grilled cheese sandwich on Man vs. Food that was in Cleveland. And I said, that looks insanely good. It was this awesome, like a, like a garlic bread with like 14 different cheeses on it. And I said, okay, that looks great. And I went to Cleveland and had it and it was not. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not great. The problem is, is like if you like grilled cheese, this could ruin you on grilled sure. cheese. Yeah, that's there is a risk about. associated with that. I don't have grilled cheese almost ever, so 
That's why I said, if Adam said it was not bad, I would give it a try. I've never heard of that before. Going to a a TV featured restaurant, getting their staple meal, and it not being good. It was fine. Okay, but I thought it was going to be like glorious. Decadent. Yeah. <laughs> right. More cheeses doesn't mean better. Exactly. Cheeses. That's what I learned. Oh, yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Too so many the, cheeses. The, they run out of good so ones. The chewiness or the or the actual taste. taste. Of it. it was just too many cheeses. Too many cheeses are very different. Cheeses are very unique. Yeah. Tastes. Okay. Right. And when you combine them all. It was not. I'm sure all of them individually would have been fantastic. That's all together. That's why I don't like the six cheese pizza. It's about two cheeses too many. That's they start getting into weird tastes, and they don't go together. <laughs> Number three. Well, I love this, and all all the other owners in pro sports are going to be mad right now at the Phillies owner. Did you see the Phillies owner so fired up last night? He talked about Bryce Harper being underpaid. Bryce signed a 13 year, 330 million dollar deal. When you think about it, and we said it at the time. That for the length of the deal, it's great. It's a lot of security, and no one's going to freaking sneeze at over $300 million. But per year, it was actually kind of beneath what Bryce Harper should be at. But the owner, Middleton, actually, John Middleton actually saying it, he's the most underpaid $330 million man alive. He was fired up. He's happy that the Phillies are doing well. Yeah. I mean, look, that money sounds like a lot to most people, and it is. It's a lot of money. But when you talk about what they generate and what they bring in, and think about what like a CEO of a company that probably doesn't even add that much value to a company makes. He, him, and most athletes are underpaid. They just are. And in this case, it makes like I wouldn't have said it out loud because now I, now he's going to come back to the negotiating table maybe and be like, "Let's work on this." Uh, me probably, being underpaid the thing, thing. Is, about Bryce Harper, he probably won't. And I, you know the, the other thing I love because I've I've said this a couple times and I think people forgot how crummy Washington was at the end of Bryce Harper. What a bunch of jerks. What a crap organization. I love the owner comes out, you know, after Bryce Harper hits, what, his sixth home run of the uh, the World Series last night, says he's a multi-generational talent. He's doing everything he can to help us get that World Series trophy. I want that blanket trophy back. That's great. Who, who doesn't want an owner like that? That's what I was just about to say. Like, I mean, once the Padres lost to the Phillies, I'm glad it was based on uh, – they lost the way they lost, and Bryce Harper was the beneficiary of that, and that made me feel good as a Las Vegan, obviously. But the I tell you, these Phillies fans and like quotes like this from their owner have got me like now actually like rooting interest in wanting the Phillies to win this. I mean, everybody wants the Astros to lose, and it'd be a nice story for Bryce Harper to get a World Series. But man, the crowds are showing up. the The owner saying like all the you know he's clearly fired up. For what's going on and i'm all in for it and bryson stott don't forget yeah southern highlands yep. kid uh, totally uh, which is which is very fun and he seems to be like kind of the fun emotional type leader and the fact that the entire crowd is singing his really cheesy walk-up song is it's just fun it it's adds fun. such a fun element to, to the phillies that the astros just don't have because everybody hates them yep and then you got all the all the videos from tiktok with bryce harper whispering in stones here <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he goes true. or he goes up and hits a home run it's great Number two. Can't have fun. Can't have fun. Not around Adam Hill. And he's he's very, very mad right now about the Michigan Wolverines. I'm not. I'm not it doesn't You're very matter. mad. That it doesn't got, matter. They, it's a reality got, they, show. They, not, they, the, no, no, no. Not that part. Not gonna get no, me. not that part. Post game okay. against Michigan State that they had three of their players just get freaking absolutely lit up by helmet swinging Michigan State players. There's now eight players suspended. Jim Harbaugh came out early in the week, Justin, and said, oh, I want charges brought here. I think there will be. Really? Yeah. This now, is we've off talked the about field. this a lot of times, right? Yep. Hey, the, the, the danger of letting the justice system come in and start policing what goes on on the field, really? Because I don't it was think off, because, because it was off the field. That's right. I think, you know, this isn't this isn't 
you know, between the end zones and on the, between the sidelines. This is after the game is over. There is no assumption of risk, I would say, uh, or, or any sort of general consent that the parties have amongst each other that the physicality of the game is going to continue. It's over. It's done. In fact, the expectation is the opposite. There's handshakes and hugs and the whole thing, especially now, you know, it's fans all calm down and sportsmanship. So, yes. so, so on the field versus off the field, we're talking the situation with Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph versus this helmet swinging. That's right. I, I think that, I think that's a, I think it's a huge difference. Um, now some would say Miles Garrett should be charged and, I guess I could hear that, but again, now that's the emotion of the game during the game with consent. Literally, the parties are consenting to physical violence against each other, especially in a game like football. Nobody's consenting to that when they're walking to the the locker room. Now, I know there's some back and forth about who kind of was jawing and what was said and how that sort of created this situation. It would have to be something ultra, ultra, ultra severe you know, literally fighting words for the Michigan players to sort of be at fault here or for them to have thrown the first punch. I don't think we really have any evidence along those lines. And it doesn't matter that we as Michigan beat them within an inch of their lives on the field. Like, that's okay, right? That, that's not <laughs> that's not a threat of of actual violence. They were not. Uh, they don't have a, a, a viable defense of self-defense. Number one. So as all the stuff was building around the commanders and Daniel Snyder, it was what, about 10 days ago that they released a statement, we will not be selling in the team. We're not interested in doing that. And then this morning, all of a sudden, apparently the DC football club contacted Bank of America looking into transactions. Everyone's assuming that is because they will be on the sales block here. Something happened. Something happened the last couple of days to prompt this, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious. Seems like it, yeah. And if I had to guess, I would have to say that it, it deals with potential, well, not a potential, a federal investigation of financial crimes. Yep. It's just a whole different level of allegations that's being made. You know, like Daniel Schneider is not scared by a sexual harassment lawsuit. He's not. He, he could buy his way out of that. Um, he's not really, he hasn't shown himself to be scared of a congressional investigation. Again, because it... It's not going to attack his his greatest asset, and he's not going to find himself in jail as long as he cooperates reasonably. And in fact, most people hate politicians and hate Congress, so he's going to win in the mind of public uh, court of public opinion. But when you start talking about federal investigation of financial crimes, and they're asking for documents, so you kind of have an idea of what the scope is of what they're looking for. Uh, and if you get a sense that that might go away if you sell the team then I think you start looking at that, especially when there's when valuations are seven billion for the commanders. It's crazy. Well, it sounds like what he did, because he, he did all these things and nobody in the league really seemed to care until they found out he might be skimming profit before he shared with them in their revenue sharing. Mm -hmm. And that's really what got them angry. But I guess what would when if you're screwing over your quote unquote business partners, I guess, what does the federal government have to do with that? That they get concerned with you screwing over your own partners? Well, it's fraud across state lines, right? It's federal sure. jurisdiction. So um, <laughs> that's what they're there for. These these kind of financial crimes that occur uh, in electronic transfers across state lines is the exclusive control of federal jurisdiction. States can't prosecute that right. claim. So this is where you would expect them to step in. 
And as those financial crimes rise in zeros, the more zeros that get added, the more interested the feds get. You know, frankly, I've, I've seen personally cases of, you know, six figure financial crimes. That's like they're not they're not pursuing that. You know, they're going to ask you to figure it out yourself. <laughs> But when you start getting into seven and eight figure financial crimes, for sure, that's what they're there for. We are up against it here, but uh, would it go away? You said it could go away. Would would the league just drop it, I guess, if he sold it? Or would the feds drop it if he sold the team? Right. I, I just wonder if whether or not the NFL would, you know, quote unquote, cooperate as easily with an investigation if they sold the team or if they'd say, you know what, we're not really, we're the victims here and we're not really interested in pursuing this. And at that point, what did the feds really pursuing <laughs> what was the thing uh daniel Wall- it's up on twitter daniel wallach another legal insider was saying the tens of thousands of documents defense is alive what was that in reference to yeah it, so the the federal government is saying and, and well congress both congress has said hey you, you haven't given us everything and the federal government in this part of this investigation has filed a motion to compel saying hey we think you're in possession of documents that are responsive to the things that we've asked you for that you haven't given us and we're going to get a court order that says you must give them. And if you don't, you can be sanctioned, which include monetary sanctions, which could include jail, uh, frankly, but r- never does. And the commander's response was, we've handed over tens of thousands of pages of documents, which is to say what, what Wallach is saying is what they didn't say is we've handed over all the documents that you asked for. Again, headline out there, sources, U.S. Attorney's Office investigating commanders over alleged financial improprieties. And this morning, looks like they're looking to sell the team. That news comes out. Wake up and take a seat in the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10. McCullers to Harper. It's good. Right center field. Lightning strikes. Two nothing fills. Has your team ever played a baseball game at this level collectively like they did tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think it started from, you know, pitch one. I mean, all night long. I mean, from getting out here with our fan base and, um, you know, them showing up for us each night. Just just the opportunity to play in front of them has been great. Um, and as a team, you know, we tried to go out there and not let them get as comfortable as possible. You know, I think when a pitcher gets comfortable and kind of sits down into a stadium, it, it's good for them. And, you know, we didn't want that to happen tonight. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center. You know, we've talked about it a bunch, and that was the home run call courtesy of Fox and Bryce Harper after the game. We've talked about how good Philly has been for Bryce Harper, because not that he was in a shell, but he was kind of rehearsed. And it, it all seems more natural now, and he's thriving. He's got six homers. He's hitting 382. It's so cool for a Nevada-born player to be excelling at this level. Also, Bryson Stott. Uh, and we'll get to a little Bryson in the five o'clock hour because he's developing, uh, you know, quite the fan following in Philly. It's really cool stuff right now. And like you said earlier, if you're going to root for anyone, you can't root for the Astros. You can't root for the Astros because they barely apologize for anything they did. It, it's the narrative just keeps changing. Like everyone cheated, you know. And Dusty Baker, you know, formerly of the Giants and overseeing that whole thing, it's just they're perfect villains. Perfect villains. Easy, easy to root for the Phillies, for us yes. anyway, even if it wasn't up for all that other stuff. I got an axe to grind. Oh, boy. Yeah. Shocker. Did you guys do candy at your house for Halloween? Did you pass out candy? I was walking Bourbon Street, so no. That's right. You weren't here. Do you normally? Does your mom do it? Uh, I, every once in a while. It just depends if, like, there's usually a game or something going on. Yeah. Uh, By I'm, the way, you have a very scary house. I haven't been there in years, but... You have that giant hedge that runs the entire length of your walkway. 
I, I can't even explain how like dark and scary it would be on Halloween. It would be awesome. Well, I don't actually set up any decorations. But you should. I could. That's not really my stuff. You were you were smirking. Justin Watkins is here. You were smirking on the pass out the Halloween candy. You know you know how I feel about Halloween. He's out. Fill in the audience. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it's completely commercialized. Remember, I, I told you we had a party every year in yeah. my cul-de-sac. Instead yeah. of going in around begging for candy, we right. just had a party this year. We went to Mexico to participate in Dia de los Muertos instead. Okay. You know, so no, no, we were we were out. This was know. one of the worst turnouts. Here, Here's our thing. Like we have, uh, I was going to say something that's not true, but um we're very big into decorating for the holidays. Like my Christmas stash is it's big, right? It's, I just took down five bins, the light plan this year. We'll get into that because there's all legal stuff and safety stuff on that. But the Halloween stuff is starting to build. We're building a collection. So we decorate a little bit. And then the SO, the significant other, she goes crazy. She got all the good candies. I get a little cheap on the candy. I was like, these, these, these bags of candy are unbelievable. We're treating the neighborhood like kings and then almost no one showed up it was the smallest group of trick-or-treaters uh it seems like almost well everyone has their parents with them which certainly back in our day that never happened and then a lot of people are just in a car going through the neighborhood because so few people give out candy like you two sobs but the groups were so small like it wasn't the groups were small the volume of people who came out was very small and then the groups that came up would have like five eight ten people which was fine but like we were done by 8 10 i was like what has happened to halloween and then of course we go out right we found out one of our favorite local bars was going to close down for a while and we like we have to go hit that place and there's just streams of adults coming in it's going to become I, an adult I, holiday i don't want yeah. to be that guy who's like because I, I dressed up a couple of times i don't want to be that person who's like you know we've taken over but did all the stupid grifter nonsense in the news like scare people that much that like the you know the Cofield home was going to be fentanyl all the all the candy was loaded. Yeah. Well, yours was probably it was not. Uh, it was not. But is that is that what's I, I, I will say, what, what's happening to Halloween? From I will say from uh, on the neighborhood app, <laughs> it said it was oh, the God. most the most trick or treaters they've ever had. In oh really? Yeah. So in your I, neighborhood? Yeah. So maybe it was just my neighborhood. Yeah. Our neighborhood has steadily increased every yeah. year. Now now we throw a party every year. This yeah. is the first year. This is first year in fourteen years we throw haven't thrown the party. Yeah, we throw a block party and yeah. it has steadily increased in attendance and people specifically say we come over here for this party and i they have to reintroduce themselves every year because i don't remember so is that what it is i'm not keeping up with the joneses now i need to organize a freaking block party yeah, yeah in i think so because yep. people don't want to go door to door and I, I think to the point you're trying to get at i think we've so stolen halloween a little bit from the kids a couple of things number one making up all the stories about like drugs and stuff being laced in candy which there is no there is there has not been a single confirmed case ever of fentanyl of any drug well, or poisoning of anybody's candy I swear this, yeah growing I swear up where this happened back in our day yeah, yeah, growing up for me it was razor blades, razor yeah, razor blades. blades. never happened yeah, never never happened that was always the fear but on the flip side like you know having most people had their parents with them okay we might be overcorrecting a little bit but let's remember like <laughs> my parents generation the commercials that were on at the time i was a kid was like it's 11 o'clock. Do you know where your child is? Yeah. So like yeah. we had the pendulum has swung maybe a little yeah. bit too far the other way, but it was a little extreme in my childhood. I swear, we, we started early and we stayed out late. Oh, and we yeah. had freaking like pillowcases full yeah. of, of multiple. Yeah. I feel bad for the kids now. 
yes, yeah, for sure. It's different. And God, it, it also brings back memories of my brother was like a giant child, oh, but yeah. he also was, he, he was like a, a four-year-old when he was 18, you know, when he's 16, 17, but he was like 12 and people were like, you're too big, go home. And he'd like cry. There like were a lot of, four. there were actually a lot of big kids. I actually, I kind of shamed one kid and there was no reason for it. Uh, Cause he was with a group of kids and a lot of them had shopping bags. I don't care what they have. This kid just walks up with his hand out. And I'm like, oh, you're using the hand method. And I was like, ah, crap. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Why are you being creepy? My, I couldn't put as much candy in his hand as I would in a bag. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. What is he doing though? Like, is he, where does he have something in the use, car? A lot of kids use the book bag. Maybe he's or in, a, not a book bag, a, a backpack. Maybe he was old and he was driving and he was just yeah, running yeah, back and throwing yeah. it in this car. I don't know. But the whole weird. thing has changed. So. Yeah, I, I got. I I was told about a great block party by uh, one of our friends. I might just go there next year. It's gonna be a fight, though. It's gonna be a fight because the SO loves Halloween. Lo- loves it. Well, can't you bring? It. Can't you bring the candy yep. to a block party and then that hand it out to whatever kids that's come the by? Because well, you know, you're gonna give out way more candy that way. Well, the other one is. Uh, did you see the trunk thing? Now they're doing. They're doing. Like, what is it like? They uh, trunk, trunk or treat? treat? Yeah. You like that? No, it's terrible. Like but that. some people oh. do get real creative. I will say our, our uh, school has a fall festival and they usually do a trunk or treat as a part of it. Okay. And, you know, you sign up to, to be one of the cars that gets to park and they take it pretty seriously. They turn it into like little mini haunted houses on some of them. They bring trailers and park them and they, they do a pretty good job. I never have been in favor of it. It's almost like the mall trick or treating. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. Steve seems like a haunted hayride kind of guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I feel like Some not hot at all. cocoa on the on the haunted hayride. That could be more. Well, not haunted, but that could be closer to Thanksgiving. Not haunted. Though. Do, you, do you do caroling? Do you get like? Oh, oh yeah. Steve like so in a big group where my, yeah, yeah. My like voice a, was like mute if I was like one of like fifteen. What what if you do a solo caroling this year? Right, just go door just to knock, door. <laughs> door to Believe me, door to door doesn't work anymore uh, for sales. No, we know that with salespeople. I don't think door to door solo Christmas caroling is going to work. No, Ooh. you got to have like a trailer. You got a hay and a trailer, and you all Man. sit around. You carol. I felt as you so, drive around. I felt so bad for a neighbor. I felt so bad for a neighbor. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna, we're, let's organize that. I felt so bad for a neighbor uh, Christmas a couple of years ago. They were they had tamales and they were just dropping them off at the houses, and I'm like, this is not going to go over well with anyone. You know what I mean? Tamales are delicious, but like you know, everyone's now afraid of everything that gets dropped off at of their house. Like, didn't I don't. I don't believe they knocked on the door and said said anything. It was just tamales at the front door, and then you you ask around the neighborhood, and they're like, "Oh yeah, they drop off tamales." Yeah, did you eat them? I did. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I don't care. Well, to so your to, to to your point, like about well, let's organize this. The problem is, is like the this next generation right behind me. I'm not trying to be a millennial hater or a Gen Z hater. I'm just saying they're unreliable and they're RSVPing of organizations so it's it, it becomes so arduous to get them to these things that it, you just end up throwing up your hands and saying whatever so that's i mean our our block party just started because we wanted to do it for our own little block four houses and then it just oh, you're saying like the late 20 something 30 something homeowners yeah, are unreliable yeah yeah, yeah. Right. unreliable when you or when you try to organize oh yeah yeah we'll go there they're not going there. i'm going to start a topic here we might have to carry it over so this Kyrie Irving stuff with the Nets, the anti-Semitic stuff, I know, just Quite a transition. complete departure. There's no, there's no transition. I could have been creative or whatever. Um, the league has done nothing. And the league really hasn't done anything yet in terms of Ime Odoka, who was suspended for the year by his employer, the Celtics. He may be back on the sideline within weeks. Does the league have to be careful legally? Are there legal entanglements with this? I mean, let's let's do Kyrie first because that's what we can carry over. 
Uh, we'll carry over the the second part. Kyrie first. When you retweet something, and he said it during the press conference, hey, that doesn't mean that I endorsed it or I'm promoting anything. When you just retweet and don't say anything, like what can the league actually do? I That's think a great that, defense, isn't it? I mean, it's a decent defense that to say that like, hey, when I retweet something, it's not because I you know agree with it. But I think like let's let's face it, if you're doing that in front of a jury, you better have a a pretty long history of retweeting points that are countervailing to your position. And if you don't have that history to go back on, oh, then okay. the then the jury is going to be like, yeah, retweeting means you agree. <laughs> now, there is like I I can think of one person in particular, Commissioner Tick Sigelblum. He retweets stuff that's against his position or against him specifically all the time. But but other than that, I can think of no example of people that I follow who constantly retweet something that's in opposition to how they think or how they feel. Um, and if they do, it's with comment. Look at this garbage, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not buying it. I hear that it's legally defensible, but I'm not buying it. And, and to answer your question in short, maybe we'll get into the particulars on the other side. But does that put the NBA in a precarious legal position? The answer is yes. There's got to be something. It's got to be something because the league has been very proactive in finding people for language and even stuff said on podcasts. And this time they're very quiet on Udoka and in the case of Kyrie Irving. So we'll carry it over because I want to talk about Udoka and that you're going from one NBA franchise to another, potentially from the Celtics to the Nets. The NBA still hasn't spoken on this harassment thing. They got him suspended in the first place. And now the Nets want to step up to the table and bring him right back into the league. It's very weird. It's the Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and company on both ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. We're about 10 minutes away from talking to a former NFL player, Clay Harbor, who uh, a lot of listeners may know as one of the contestants on The Bachelorette. But he does the Believe in Jaguars podcast. We'll talk a little Raiders and Jaguars. But Justin Watkins is here right now. 766-1400 is the call from anywhere in Nevada number for Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Let's continue on the NBA and its lack of uh, activity with Ime Odoka. So Steve Nash is gone. They reach out to Odoka, apparently, who is suspended for the year by the Celtics, not by the NBA, which means he could probably be back on the sidelines here unless the NBA does something within a couple of weeks. There's no legal issues here. Like, should the Nets not be worried that the story might actually come out with details of why he was suspended? None of that is out. Well, unless they know what the details are, right? Uh, maybe maybe the details aren't as bad as the public thinks, but if so, then why not release some sort of deal? But but maybe at, at the request of the alleged victim, right? There's other so, somebody else that would be identified here and I presumably does not want to be identified, and I don't, I don't blame him. But is there a legal issue here between that, you know, women's rights, women's safety, sexual harassment issue, uh, Kyrie Irving, you know, anti-Semitism and NBA? And I think the answer is yes, only because the NBA has put itself in the position of being at the forefront of social justice. Um, and if you're going to do that, then you have to do it equally and just as passionately for all different groups, not select ones. Otherwise, you open up yourself to discrimination actions. And so 
I think, you know, you could take the tactic that Dana White takes, which is, hey, man, I don't tell my fighters what they can and can't say. They can say whatever they want. Craziest stuff out there, whatever. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying UFC agrees with it. I just don't believe in censorship of fighters. Okay, he hasn't promoted or demoted any one group. So that that's protected. I'm sorry. I'm talking about constitutional protections, right? Uh, you know, race, sexual origin, uh, or sexual sexual orientation, national uh, origin, uh, ethnicity, those those kinds of things. Um, meanwhile, the NBA has done the exact opposite. That on every social front, they have you know sort of taken a stance, and now all of a sudden, this anti-Semitism comes in, and they they're oddly inactive about it. Um, you know, we saw a statement from the Nets that just said, you know, we don't believe in anti-Semitism. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't expect a statement to say that you do, um, but that's hardly promoting racial justice and equity throughout your organization, evenly amongst all groups. And so, yeah, I think that will it ultimately come back and bite them? I don't know, but could it? Absolutely it could. Let's close on this last minute. Golden Knights going to lose on this road trip at some point. <laughs> Beat the Capitals last night, and now you got kind of a northern swing here. What's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think, you know, but it's a five-game set. I, you know what? I think like three and two. I, I, really? You know, they, they, they – Very underwhelming after starting out that's nine not and two. Underwhelming. Un I was being yeah. sarcastic. At, at Ottawa, Montreal, Maple Leafs, and then the Sabres. Yeah, I think Sabres game is going to be tough. They're going to be jacked for that game, um, pun intended. And I think the Maple Leaves are, you know, starting to get desperation mode. So I expect it will see the best out of them. Um, so my prediction's three and two on the road trip, which I consider a successful road trip on a on a five game um, Canadian East uh, Eastern Seaboard swing. But uh, you know, four and one is definitely possible. Five and zero oh, possible, I guess. Three and two would be great. Yep, I think that should be the target, especially after winning the first one. Split the next two, get home, get out of this trip with positive points you want one point per game on the road and if they do better than that that's great it's a pretty cool story that's unfolding really cool UGK off to a hot start Justin appreciate it thanks for the Mexico knowledge yeah I didn't know that I was going to be such an advocate of the place but we went and I loved it <laughs> it's, Co it's Cofield and Company of the Battleborn Sports Hour presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers 766-1400 call from anywhere in Nevada it's almost kind of like when we went to London. It was like another chance to do this with the group. We're all together and we're all talking. We're all positive. And I've been a part of a couple of these and I've always felt like for the team, it's a good thing. You know, as long as everyone's mindset is like trying to get better, like not, oh man, I wish I was home, you know, like that kind of thing. And that hasn't been the case. So I think it's always been a good thing for a team to get better as a football team and to be closer to one another. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Derek Carr, I'm staying in Florida before the uh, Jacks game, after the New Orleans game. You know, at this point, anything that works, anything that works. It's It's been a freaking mess. Really interesting seasons. I did not think the Jaguars and the Raiders. Now, what, what do you think I'm going to say is that they would have the same record now? I actually, I thought both teams would be much better than two wins. Yeah, I thought the Jaguars were going to have a good season. It's been a, It's been a weird one. Clay Harbor played for the Jaguars and for several other NFL teams. He does Believe in Jaguars podcast. Clay, how you doing? It's Steve and Adam here in Vegas. 
I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Uh, you know, covering the Raiders, it's been disappointing. It's been a letdown of a season. And I'm sure, you know, the same goes for the Jaguars. Maybe, you know, not the uh, the high expectations that the Raiders had, but you thought there'd be some some advancements here. What has happened to the Jaguars? Why only two wins? Yeah, it's tough because we started off strong with those with those two big wins uh, to start the season off. Unfortunately, they haven't been able to capitalize on that and keep that going. And honestly, it's it's tough because you know it's been a play here or a play there. The stats are there. You look at the top 10 offense, yardage, the top 10 defense yard, whatever. But every week, it seems like it's one play, one big play that the Jaguars are doing, one big mistake they're messing up. Uh, last week, it was the interception early on the goal line. Trevor Lawrence threw a pick at the one-yard line first and goal. The week before, it's a Travis Etienne fumble walking into the end zone. The week before, it's another interception. The week before, Travis uh, Trevor Lawrence fumbled the ball five times. So it's always something with the Jags, and it's always something that leads to a loss, and it's not just being outmatched, outgunned, outplayed. It's the fact that they're just getting beat by one play a game, and that's what's been frustrating. Isn't that almost the perfect scenario, though? Like you're, you're seeing some progress. You're seeing some promising signs. You're seeing a team that is competitive – and finding a way to lose and, you know, help out the draft pick for next year and continue to build. <laughs> yeah, if you want to look at it that way, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a way to look at it. You're a glass half full type guy, I can tell. But, you know, when you're trying to get these wins and you're really excited, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne's had a breakout game last week. You got these new receivers in. Obviously, there's been some ups and some downs there. Defense has been playing pretty well. The, the point differential, Jaguars are, are top 10 and they just can't win the game. So it does point towards the Jaguars having another very high draft pick, and you know they had the number one pick last year, and the number one pick the year before was Trevor Lawrence and Trayvon Walker, and they got all these draft picks, but sooner or later you got to put it together. And you know I think, um, I think this year is probably going to be a little bit more of the same, unfortunately, and you'll probably see another high draft pick when, when, the, year's, when the year's done. Clay Harbors with us, played for the Jags, Eagles, Patriots, Lions, Saints, and he does the Believe in Jaguars podcast. What did you think of uh, the trade deadline day? Did they need to be trading more guys away to stockpile for the future? And then Ridley is picked up in a deal, which is really interesting. Well, I like it. I think that it was there were some talks about Josh Allen maybe being being traded away, but I think that they did a good job of keeping him. I think he's a player that you can re-sign and, they drafted here, homegrown talent. You, you want to see those guys stick around. I like Calvin Ridley. You give up a, a, a fifth-round pick this year and a fourth round next year, obviously that can get, get up to a second round next year if they re-sign Ridley and if Ridley plays well. So it's honestly low risk. You're giving up a fifth-round pick this year. You're getting a guy that the three years that he played the full season, he's had over 3,000 yards. He had 1,350 yards. Uh, the last full season he played. This is a bona fide number one receiver. We know how hard number one receivers are to find. Look at look at uh, Las Vegas. I mean, look at the contracts you have to you have to give these guys to bring them in. Tyreek Hill, uh, Devontae Adams. Um, you look at Jacksonville bringing in the number two receiver, Christian Kirk, seventy five million dollar contract. These are tough. It's, there's no receivers in free agency. It's not a great year in the draft for receivers. So Doug and Balky went out and found a number one receiver that's only paying $10 million next year. 
and that is a bona fide number one to put Trevor with, and then you can move Christian Kirk strictly in slot, Zay Jones, you just move everybody down, and just it's better for everyone in this receiving core in this offense. Well, aren't they paying Christian Kirk to be a number one receiver? <laughs> yeah, and that's why they uh, needed to find a guy like Calvin Ridley that you're not paying like a number one receiver. So Christian Kirk will make that $20 million next year, 15 base, five, five in the bonus. Now you're only paying Calvin Ridley 10. That's what makes this deal so good is you're getting a number one receiver for a number two receiver price. How much have you watched the Raiders? Because this uh, start of the season has been mystifying, and the most recent result was insane. You're going against the number 31 scoring defense in the league, and you get shut out by the Saints? Yeah. That's tough. I, I haven't watched much of them. I watched a couple of their primetime games. I remember the uh, I watched the full game against the Chiefs when I, it didn't seem like they should have won. I think there was another primetime game they had uh, back a few weeks ago, but I feel like they're similar to to the Jaguars, obviously not last week with the shutout against the Saints, but earlier in the season they, they've lost some good teams by not a lot. And, I mean, look at that roster. I used to play on offense with Josh McDaniel, so I know what kind of guy he is. He's a good coach. I believe in Josh McDaniel. That's why I'm kind of shocked that he isn't having the success because he has a, he has a good receiver. He has the running back. He has a quarterback that people believe in. Obviously, he hasn't had the, the year that a lot of people wanted 86 rating, nine touchdowns, five interceptions, but he's got weapons there. So I'm surprised that it's not going better for him, but I think uh, I think Josh still has a chance to get turned around over there. You, you mentioned you know, Trevor Lawrence and, and his development earlier. Uh, I guess where, where does Jaguar Nation kind of stand uh, on him? Because it looks like he's getting a lot better. I think there's a lot more confidence maybe that he can continue to grow into what we thought he would be. But there are those setbacks where those, you know, multiple turnover games or, you know, faltering down the stretch where you're like, oh, he's just not there yet. So I guess where is he in that development? If you had asked me this a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Duval is, is in love with Trevor and they know that he's the guy, <laughs> even though they've lost a couple of Colts. So these last two weeks have been really scary for Jackson because you're seeing him make the same mistakes over and over again. He's not learning from his mistakes. He's going out and he's doing the same thing. The play he threw the interception on the goal line, it was the same exact play against Houston. Doug Trustman on goal ball in the end zone. First and goal from the one. Let's go. 14 nothing against this Denver Bronco team. Instead, you throw an interception. They go down the field and score, and it's 7-7 instead of 14 nothing. So he's making the same mistakes over and over again. Even when guys are open, he's a little off. He's a little late. And he's starting to scare some people here in Duval, people that believed in him are starting to wonder if they made the right choice and if this guy really is the quarterback of the future. And then what Was there more to James Robinson's trade than just Travis Etienne developing and needing to be the showcase back? Because it seems like James Robinson would have been perfect to have as kind of that, that backup in case Etienne gets hurt or anything else happens. Everybody thinks there's nobody, nobody knows for certain, but the, the theory in Jacksonville is there's something behind the scenes. Obviously, James Robinson wanted to be the number one back. He wanted to get more carries. He's, he's a free agent at the end of this year. They're not going to sign him, so Doug shipped him off and got something for him. And honestly, people in, in Jacksonville were up in arms until last week when they saw what Travis Etienne can do with a full game worth of carries. This guy is the real deal, and the one player that I am very confident in and love, love the most of the Jaguars is Travis Etienne. I've played with LaShawn McCoy. 
I've played with a lot of these running backs, James White. I've played with Adrian Peterson, obviously a little bit older, Adrian Peterson. But this guy is good. He's special. I've played with Alvin Kamara. He's going to be an Alvin Kamara-type running back. He can catch. He can run. He's fast. He's explosive. He likes contact. He's doing a lot of uncommon things for a running back. And Duval's really excited about Travis Etienne. Am I wrong for thinking the division isn't over in spite of the fact that the Titans look like they've got a gigantic lead? The Titans just have not been that impressive. And, you know, Tannehill was down last week with an injury. What do you think of the Titans sitting at 5-2? and two? Well, I would say that it's not – the division's not over, but I really don't think any of the other teams are going to compete. I mean, maybe the Colts, but the, the Jaguars, I mean, they're just not doing it this year. And I'm sorry, but they're not. Houston Texans, no chance. Then you got the Colts. How are the Colts going to do? You know, I don't know. I don't think the Colts are that team that's really going to challenge for division. I mean, I think the, the Titans are just going to win the division by default. And, uh, you know, good for them, second year in a row. You can follow Clay Harbor at ClayHarbs82. It's the Believe Network, Believe in Jaguars podcast. Now, I will say my uh, partner here, Adam, and he's on the Raiders NFL beat, is very negative on Jacksonville. He chose to travel with his yeah. newspaper to go to New Orleans and said, you know what, screw this. I'm not driving down the 10. I'm not going anywhere near Jacksonville. He said he's had bad experiences <laughs> there. I mean, I, I like I like Jacksonville. I don't have a problem with Jacksonville. Give us some of the positives of Jacksonville to turn my partner Adam Hill around here. So Jacksonville, if, if you don't know where to go in Jacksonville, it's a terrible place. If you, if you go downtown, if you expect to find something in downtown Jacksonville, you're not going to like it. But here's what you got to do. you got to live by the beach, Ponte Vedra, Neptune Beach, Atlantic Beach, nice restaurants, nice areas, nice little bars. It's just good spots. It's very affordable. You go to Riverside, which isn't downtown, but it's Riverside. Great areas, great restaurants, bars. People think they, you know, they go to a city, you want to check out downtown. Downtown Jacksonville is the worst part of Jacksonville. <laughs> Don't go downtown Jacksonville if you want to find anything to do. But the beaches are great. St. John's Town Center, Southside Boulevard, Riverside, the different neighborhoods, Neptune Beach, Atlantic Beach, Ponte Vedra Beach are very nice, very quaint, and um, they're very cool. I can live in Jacksonville. I'm from Chicago. I've lived in New York City. I've lived in a lot of different places, played in Philly, played in New Orleans. Jacksonville's right up with the best of them. Uh, okay. Your impression is set so much by the fact that you went down to cover USC stuff. During, well, there was nothing there. During, and I, but I was there before for okay. a football game. But my, my, I guess my question is, it sounds like they were going to try to build some things up around the stadium. There was a plan for some development. Is that in the works? Is that going to happen? I've been hearing about that since I was there back in 2013, <laughs> 2014. But so I'm, I'm not going to say so that's going to happen. I think it would be great if it did. Shad bought off a lot of land. He's improving the stadium. He's building that indoor uh, facility out there. But downtown Jacksonville, around the old Jacksonville Landing, anything downtown, nothing. Stay away from it. But there are very nice areas of Jacksonville, I promise you guys. And uh, it, it actually is a really nice city if, if you know where you're going. Who's going to win the game? You know, I wish I could I could say the, the Jaguars, but I mean, it's tough when their team's struggling the way they are. But just because, you know, I'm going to go with my team, I'm going to say the Jags, but I'm not saying this confidently. hope they win. I think that they've been in every game. With Trevor Lawrence, he's got the talent. He just hasn't put it together. 
Travis Etienne running the ball, the offensive line has done a great job. The defense has had some ups and downs, but overall they've been good. To me, this team should be much better than they are. So every week, I'm confident going in, but they can't keep doing the same thing to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose the faith eventually. Yeah, but I will go with the Jags in a close one. Thanks, Clay. We appreciate the spot. Very good. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. There he is, Clay Harbor. Believe in Jaguars podcast. That'll close out the four o'clock hour. Reno, you've been listening to the Battleborn Sports Hour. I'm ESPN Reno for all three hours. Check out the archives of Hillfield and Company at lvsportsnetwork.com.